Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. Good morning, good morning. It's good to see you. Good to see you, church family. I remember, thank you, choir and musicians and praise team. Thank you, media team. Uh, I remember it was in the late 1980s that there was what they called a superstorm that hit the Carolina coast. Uh, It was called Hurricane Hugo. And the devastation that that hurricane, that that storm brought, was in the tens of billions of dollars of damage to that area of the coast, and really actually all the way inland, uh, all the way, uh, we felt it, if you lived up here in the upstate, we felt the winds and the rain. I know even in Charlotte, North Carolina, several hours away from the coast, There were millions of dollars of damage just from windows blown out of skyscrapers from the winds of Hurricane Hugo. It was was pretty phenomenal. I was at Gardner-Webb College then, now university, and I remember uh, being in my little duplex with my roommate and hearing our garbage can, you know, go flying across the yard and and wondering what in the world was going on. A, A few days after that, uh, I remember going down with our college group from our church and helping as a part of the cleanup. And I remember on the way down, we were still like 10 miles from the coast, seeing cruise liner boats sitting upside down on the side of the interstate that had been blown and washed inland. I mean, it was just, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. I remember as a part of that cleanup, uh, kind of all, all bets were off, all rules were off. As long as you were cleaning up, it didn't matter. You could do whatever. And I remember cleaning up this yard and lines of dump trucks, as far as the eye could see, 20, 30 dump trucks lined up that they're filling in. And the, the big uh, heavy machinery is picking up all this wreckage and throwing it in the back of the dump truck. And they were just grabbing people. All right, you, you drive. I mean, they were just grabbing people. And here I am. Uh, 18, maybe 19, and they look at me because I'm just standing there in awe of all this, and they're like, you drive. And I'm like, I've never di- driven a dump truck before. What? They're like, get in there. we got to keep this line moving. Keep this line moving. So next thing I know, I find myself driving this dump truck down Highway 17 and just following this line of people. Uh, I'm the last in line get out to this place where they're dumping all these uh, branches and brush, and I find myself sitting there. Everybody else had left. And here I am sitting, I don't even know where I was, but I remember thinking, nobody showed me how to dump the stuff out. (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm not climbing in the back of this dump truck piece by piece and throwing this stuff out. And so finally, I'm mashing buttons, and I finally figured out, and uh, wow, it was uh, remarkable. That's one kind of storm. Actually, maybe an easier kind of storm to deal with. But if you, uh, if you haven't picked up on it yet, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about those spiritual storms. We're talking about the storms of life, those things that co- sometimes come our way out of the blue that we don't even know are coming. 
Sometimes we know that they're coming. We can kind of see on the horizon. Maybe God gives us some hints that they're coming. But sometimes we have no idea. One day life can be great and everything's wonderful. And the next day we're hit with a storm. What do we do? Why does God allow storms? If you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to discuss that a little bit this morning. I had no idea... Isn't God interesting? I had no idea this was going to be our passage today, not knowing the events of this past week. And uh, knowing that one of our own, I would call him a hero of the faith, would be celebrating today in heaven. We were talking to Tommy yesterday, and I so appreciate Joey, and so many of you have gone by Jim and Tommy's home, and And uh, I remember sitting there with her last night, Lynette and I were sitting there and we were thinking about the service today. And I told Tommy, I said, tomorrow's going to be a great worship service for us. But tomorrow, Jim's already worshiping in person. So I know we're sad and our hearts are heavy today. But we also can celebrate because we know where he is. Don't have to wonder, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt as he does But at the same time, I had to ask myself the question, God, why in the world do you allow these storms of life? Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. We'll pick up the story. It says, Immediately he, that's Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And after he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already many stadia away from the land, way out from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking, they were frightened, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly the Son of God. I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been kind of doing pastor picks, my favorite stories in the Bible. Next week, we'll switch switch gears and we will uh, start looking at some parables. But I love this story. We've got to remember the context of this story, if you will. If you've forgotten, let me refresh your memory. This was a hard day for Jesus. Before we pick up at verse 22, Jesus has lost his cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed. Even after that, he's worked all these miracles. He's fed thousands of people. And he's probably weary, not only physically weary, but mentally weary, emotionally weary, spiritually weary. He is weary. He is tired. You say, how do I know that? I know that because the Bible tells us that Jesus, though he was God, 100% God, he was also 100% man. You say, Pastor Jack, explain that. I cannot explain that. I just know it's true. 
So I know he got physically tired, weary, because often he would go off by himself. And he goes off by himself to pray. And the people continue to try to follow him. And yet Jesus has compassion on them. And he heals them. And he miraculously feeds these thousands of people who are hungry. But finally he gets to a point in verse 22 where he tells the disciples, he makes the disciples get into the boat and go out ahead of him to the other side. Now there's some key words in these verses That as I studied this again over the last few weeks, I recognize, and here's the first one. The first one is in that verse, verse 22. Jesus, the Bible says, made the disciples get into the boat. Now let's just stop right there. Jesus, all-knowing, God in the flesh, knew there was going to be a storm coming, and yet Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Why in the world? Would the Savior of the universe, knowing that there is a storm coming, intentionally make his disciples get into the boat and go into the storm? Well, there's got to be a reason. Jesus does not haphazardly do things. There has to be a reason that Jesus sent his disciples into the boat to go to the other side. He stayed behind. He sent the other people home. And nighttime was coming. And the word where, in verse 22, where it says, he made the disciples get in there. Actually, a better translation would be, if you look at the original language and the, and the action word there of that verb, it's this. And this may rub some of us the wrong way, but this is what the Bible says. He forced them, compelled them, urged them to get into the boat. And yet there's a storm coming and Jesus knows. Jesus really did not give the disciples a choice. Here's a question for you and for me. Have you ever had to do something when Jesus did not give you a choice? If you haven't, my friend, then I want to invite you to really tune in to the Holy Spirit and to get into God's Word. Because there are many times too numerous for me to share with you this morning where Jesus has made me do things I would have not signed up to do if it was left for me. One of those is standing up here today. Some of you who are part of all the teams and the pastor search committee know that process. I was not like waving the flag, running, chasing, wanting to be one of the pastors here at Crossroads Baptist Church. But God was relentless. And he didn't give me a choice. I remember even before that, years ago, when Lynette and I were thinking we were going to be moving, probably 12, 13 years ago now, thinking we were going to be moving to Nashville, Tennessee. The economy kind of tanked. Our house was on the market for two and a half years. Some of you have heard this story. And Jesus forced us not to be able to do that. Because he closed the doors that we were wanting to open. So Jesus has a way of forcing us, compelling us, making us do things if we will tune in. And so he makes the disciples, he compels them to get into the boat. Now I ask this question when I'm reading it. You know by now I like to ask questions when I read the text. Why did he not have the disciples stay and help him with all these crowds? Because if you'll remember, after all, the multitude is huge. We know there's 5,000 men that he's just fed and plus women and children. There's this huge crowd of people. And so Jesus is telling the disciples, leave me here by myself. I'll take care of it. I mean, to me, that would be the perfect time to say, guys, we're going to put you to work. There's still thousands of people here. We fed them, but they still need attention. So he had something in mind. Keep in mind, it was the disciples, by the way, 
who actually wanted Jesus to get rid of the crowds before they found out that they were hungry. So it's not insignificant then that Jesus decides to send the disciples and the crowds away to go up into the mountain and to pray. The mountain in Matthew here where he's talking about is that place where Jesus is going to experience God. He's going to encounter God. He's going to spend time with God in prayer. And in uh, Moses-like fashion, Jesus proves not only that he can be a leader of the crowd, but he also hints to us prior to the disciples going into the storm... He hints to us that, hey, I'm going to go up and spend some intimate time with my father because there's a storm coming. So what is he trying to say to us? He climbs this mountain. He has this encounter with the Lord. And and the verse tells us in verse 23, he actually says it to us twice. It says in verse 23, Jesus sent the multitudes away. He went up to the mountain by himself. He's alone. And when it was evening... He was there alone. In case you missed it the first time, Matthew says, by the way, he was alone. He was by himself. Let's just stop for a minute and talk about that. I don't know if you have ever felt alone or lonely. Guess what? You're not alone. Even Jesus was lonely and felt alone. We're going to be talking about that on a Sunday night in just a few weeks. So think about this. While Jesus is having this conversation with his heavenly Father on the mountaintop, the disciples find themselves in a threatening situation. Now again, I wrote down some questions. I've been like that. You ever been like that? The disciples are out in this boat. Jesus makes them go out in this boat by themselves while he's having his little mini retreat with the Father. He's having this conversation with God. The disciples are out in the boat seemingly by themselves. And the storm comes. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you're more spiritual than me. But there's also many stories I could tell you, more numerous than we can count this morning, where I've been in situations and been in storms And my first reaction is, God, where are you? Because I think I'm all by myself. (laughs) Don't want to be. And I think I'm by myself. And that's one of Satan's greatest tools is to make us think when the storm is there and we don't feel God, we don't see God, we don't sense God, that we're there by ourselves. Guess what? Not true. Not true. God is there. The disciples are out. The Bible tells us they're many, many stadia away from the land. They're way out. And the boat is being beaten. The Bible tells us the boat is being beaten. They're being tossed to and fro. The boat was already out there. It's battered by the waves. Verse 24, Matthew tells us the wind was contrary. All this is happening and the boat is being beaten. It's kind of like the story, some of you will remember earlier in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 8. There's a similar story where the disciples are on the boat. They're out in the middle of the water. The storm comes, you you remember, and the sea is being battered. But in that story, if you remember, Jesus was in the boat with them already. And Jesus was not even bothered by the storm, so much so that he's sleeping. And they have to wake him up. Jesus, don't you care? The storms are here. Wake up, wake up, we're going to drown. And Jesus says to them in that story the same thing. Wow, you guys of little faith, you've seen me work all these miracles and you're worried about a little water and a little wind. In that story, we don't get the punchline that we're going to get in this story. We're kind of left hanging because Jesus says the same thing. Where is your faith? 
And the disciples marvel because Jesus has calmed this storm. And they marvel and they think, wow, even the wind and the waves obey God. You know what that tells me? Any storm that's come into your life is subject to the authority of God Almighty. It doesn't just happen. It may take you by surprise, but it doesn't take God by surprise. The loss of a loved one unexpectedly. Pandemic. Turmoil in your home, your marriage, your kids going wayward. None of that takes God by surprise. And so here we have these disciples, but in this story, they don't have the luxury of kind of tapping on Jesus' shoulder and say, wake up, there's a storm here, because Jesus seemingly is not there. He's not present. He's a long way off. As the great theologian Bette Midler used to say, he's from a distance. (laughs) The most God-awful, pagan, non-biblical song ever maybe sung. God is not watching from a distance. God so loved you and me that he said, I'm coming down there to live among you as Jesus Christ. God in a body in the flesh. And I love you so much, I'm going to calm the biggest storm, which is the power of sin over you. And I'm going to give my son on the cross to cover that sin and to bring redemption for you and to give give you a relationship with me. He wasn't watching from a distance then, my friend. He's not watching from a distance right now. He's here, the power of the Holy Spirit. But why would God allow the disciples, knowing that a storm is coming, why would he allow that storm? Why would he allow them to go through that? If you're a parent, grandparent, adult, child watcher, coach, teacher, you know some of the answers to that story. Because there's many times where our kids start to do things and we stand there and we watch because we have told them maybe 10 times, 20, 50, okay, 12,000 times. And they have to learn for themselves. So why does God allow storms? I've got three suggestions that I believe from what we read here. The reason that God allows storms. Here's the first one. Number one, it moves us out of our comfort zone. You know, it's in the storms of life that you and I actually discover who we are. It's moving out of the comfort zone that we discover what we're capable of with God's help. The disciples, the Bible tells us they've been struggling for a while. They've been struggling to keep the boat afloat for a while. Because it says in verse 25, finally the fourth watch of the night, that's when Jesus shows up. The wee hours of the morning just before dawn, he shows up. So the disciples have been struggling. And Jesus decides to come out. Between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., he decides to come out walking on the water and to make his appearance. And the disciples are so distraught, they're so worried, they're so frightened, they don't even recognize that it's Jesus. You ever had one of those storms in your life? Kind of like the guy, you've heard the story, the guy that's on the roof of the house and the floods are coming and his house is going underwater and somebody comes by in a boat and says, come on man, jump in, jump in, the flood's coming. And he goes, no, the Lord's going to provide help for me. The Lord's going to provide help for me. And the boat just goes on by and finally a helicopter flies over the house and they drop down the ladder. Grab hold of that ladder, the water's rising, the water's rising. No, the Lord's going to send help for me. And the helicopter flies away. 
The waters rise, the man drowns, he's in heaven. He says, Lord, why didn't you send help? Why didn't you send help? And the Lord says, I sent a boat and a helicopter and you turned them both down. That's the way sometimes we are. We don't even recognize the help that's coming our way. Because sometimes the storms of life have us so rattled. And that's what's happening with these disciples. Jesus, I believe, is trying to move them out of their comfort zone. They're tired. They've been, probably been up all night, and this, cra- this chaos and this crisis and their, their energy has been spent, and then Jesus reveals himself to them. And they mistake the Lord for a phantom, for a, a ghost. We don't know who said that. i got a feeling who said it, but the Bible doesn't tell us. It just says they, and you know who they are. Mama always talked about they. But it says they just cried out, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. Mistaking the figure of Jesus for a specter of death. Interesting. Here they have rowed out into the middle of this huge storm and the waves are attacking them. Maybe Jesus is trying to move them out of their comfort zone. I wrote down this personal note this morning as I was reading again. There are some things in my life I would never have done unless Jesus allowed the storm. I never would have been pushed out of my comfort zone to do what Jesus wanted me to do if that storm had not come. So I believe maybe that's why God allows storms. The second reason could be this. Maybe it's to show us where our real foundation is. What does the story go on to say? It goes on to say this. Peter, the disciples cry out, it's a ghost, and then immediately Jesus says, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And then Peter answers him. Jesus answered, let's look at that though, verse 27, where he says, Take courage, it is I. Really doesn't explain or read right in our modern day language. He really says there, Take heart, I am. Do not be afraid. I am. The great I am. He's saying, I am here. Don't be afraid. That would be the more literal translation. You think about passages of Scripture like Job chapter 9, verse 8, where it says, God alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea. That's the I am that we're talking about. Psalm 89.9, the psalmist says this, You, O God, rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you Still them. So who is this person that's walking out on the water? Maybe one of the lessons he's wanting the disciples to understand is, where is your foundation? Friends, I am convinced one of the reasons God allows storms to come into your life and in my life is to see, are we standing on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ? Where have we placed our trust? So many of you could come up here and give testimonies more eloquent and more numerous than me about the things that God has brought you through. And the only thing that it's done, every single storm, the only thing that it's done for you is to make your faith stronger and your relationship with God stronger. Whether it's the loss of a child or maybe it's cancer or maybe it's some other disease or maybe it's sickness or maybe some family issue that God has brought you through that. Why would God allow you to go through storms? You know why? To be more dependent on Him. If life was easy, we all would find our own way. It's hard enough and we often find our own way. We often find our own substitute for the solid rock of Jesus Christ. 
on which I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So maybe that's what he wanted the disciples to find out. Are you standing firm in your trust and your hope and your belief in me? Are you just following me like everybody else because I'm the miracle maker? You're wanting to see the show. You're wanting to show up for the next feeding of the multitude or the healing of somebody. And then when it gets to the point of you seeing where this road is going to lead me, and we know because we went through the book of Mark together as a church family, when it gets closer and closer to understanding that when I ask you to take up your cross and follow me, when the rubber meets the road and I'm really showing you what it means to follow after me, are you just going to... Are you going to disappear? Where is your foundation? Maybe God allows storms to show us where our foundation really is. I don't know about you, but I wish I could say that when every storm of life comes, that my first instinct is to run to Jesus. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. He is the firm foundation. And what he's saying to the disciples, and Matthew and their audience would have understood the way Jesus would have said it. They would have understood these scriptures from Job and Psalm that I quoted to you would be scriptures. They would go, oh wow, because when Jesus said to them and came out onto the water and said, take heart, I am. They would have thought about all those things that they had grown up hearing about who the I am was. And in the midst of the turmoil of the sea, they would have made another, hopefully, baby step towards realizing that the only one who can calm the storms is God. So if Jesus just did that, Jesus must be God. And He is. He is. He is the firm foundation. Why else would God allow storms to come into our Lives, maybe number three, it would be to reveal the power of the one who can calm them. See, in the earlier account of the storm, earlier in Matthew's gospel, Jesus was already in the boat. And the storm came, and he said, Peace be still and calm the storm. They woke him up. In this story, Jesus kind of turned it up a notch, sent them on out there to enter the storm, and then Jesus comes walking on the water through the storm. As if to say, this is not an external force that's rocking the boat. This is a force that I can even walk through the middle of with you. Powerful to think that Jesus is revealing to them how powerful he is. The last time he did it, he calmed the wind and the sea from the confines of the boat. Now, he's standing in the midst of the storm as the wind is blowing and the waves are being tossed and Jesus is walking out through the midst of this. The reality is that God can control the storms of life with his toes. And so Peter, seeing this, I love Peter. Peter gets a bad rap, but I love Peter. I wish I was more like him because he's a risk taker. He sees Jesus walking out on the water and then says, okay, throw out a little fleece here. I don't know if it's a ghost or if it's you, but you've said it's you. If it's you, call me to get out of the boat to walk out to you. 
I don't know if he was uh, gambling in his mind thinking, hey, he's not going to call me to do that. That's a safe bet. I'll just ask for it and see what happens. But Jesus answers and says, come. And so Peter got out of the boat. And the Bible says in verse 29, he walked on the water. Now, I read this over and over and over the last two or three days, and I discovered something that, for me, was a lightning bolt of revelation and the light bulb going off. I don't know if it will be for you or not. I hope so. But here's what's interesting about this. Peter does the unexplainable, the incomprehensible, because he sees the storms and the waves, and he says to Jesus, don't miss this, he says to Jesus, call me to come out to you. Notice the Bible does not say, before Peter got out of the boat, Jesus said, wind stop, wave stop. Okay, Peter, come on. That's not what happened. The storm is still raging. The winds are still blowing. And Jesus says, come on. Come on. And Peter walks out in the midst of the storm with Jesus. Now, as my friend Dr. Neelan Brown, who's a wonderful black African-American friend from Wichita, Kansas, that was here back in the fall, if you were here, woo, that'll preach. That'll preach. Some of you remember, that gets me fired up right there. If that doesn't get you fired up, check your pulse. Jesus invites Peter to get out of the boat, walk in the midst of the storm, knowing that Jesus is going to be there to grab his hand. I wrote down some personal notes. Jack, if you're waiting for the storms of life to stop, if you're waiting for everything to be wonderful and calm before you step out to follow Jesus, you'll be waiting a long, long, long time. The text doesn't say Jesus calmed the sea to make Peter's steps easier. Doesn't say Jesus made the wind die down just a little bit to make Peter's steps easier. They cried out, It's a ghost. Jesus said, I am. Don't be afraid. Peter says, If you are, I am. If that is you, Lord, call me out. And Jesus says, Come on. And Peter steps out of the boat into the chaos. There's this cry for help. At this point, if you looked at this story and you look back again at the previous storm that we read about, I think it's Matthew chapter 8, then the stories are pretty similar. But it, but it changes right here because as Peter starts to sink and take his eyes off of Jesus and maybe look more at the wind and the waves, there's another sermon right there. When storms of life come, if you put all your attention on the storms of life, you're probably going to sink. You put your attention on the one who holds the storm, everything's going to be okay. And when that happens, when Peter gets distracted, verse 30 says he saw the wind. He started to get afraid. He started to sink. He started crying out, Lord, save me, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, Oh, you of little faith. Same thing he said to the disciples in the earlier story. Why did you doubt? And don't miss this, verse 32. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. 
And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Thankfully, this one has a little more appropriate ending because they realized after this next storm came that not, not that who is this that the winds and the waves would obey. Who is this? Who is this? They're not asking who this is. This is God. This is God. Only God could calm the waves and the wind. Truly, you are the son of God. I don't know if this is true in your life. I, I jotted this note down for me. I think it's true. You know what? The greater the storm in your life, the greater the Savior to calm the storm. Some of us have encountered huge storms of life. And our perception of Jesus and His power was huge because it took the hugeness and the awesomeness of God to come in and to help us walk through that storm. The greater your storm, the greater your Savior He's great anyway, but the greater your perception. And so those who worshipped him, it said in the boat, they said, you are certainly God's son. Now let's wrap this up. Let's go back to the very beginning. Because all these things that happened through this encounter with Jesus, learning who they were, getting pushed out of their comfort zone, seeing the awesomeness and the incredible power of God, would never have happened had God not made them, Jesus not made them get into the boat. Some of us in here, this guy included, God may be pushing us, forcing us, compelling us to get into a boat. Which, by the way, this is another myth in the Christian church. We've talked about some of those a few weeks back. About God won't bring you anything more than you can handle. Lie from the pit. God brings you more than you can handle every single day. And if you don't lean on Him, you won't make it. So that's not true. And here's even more evidence that it's not true. Because Jesus makes the disciples, makes you and I every day get into the boat to push us out into the storms of life. Why? Not to see us flail around. Not to have water poured on our head like he's trying to drown us. No. It's to show us that we need to get out of our comfort zone. It's to show us how powerful God is. It is to show us that he is the great I am. So here's a couple of questions for you and I today. Here's the first one. What storm are you facing? Because to Joey's point, and he's right, you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you just came out of a storm. And I don't know about you, but man, when you come out of those storms, it's like, whew, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And then before you know it, here comes another storm. And if you're like me, I'm like, Lord, please let up. What in the world? Why? Storm after storm. And he, he knows how to, let us go through those things that won't destroy us, but will make us stronger. So are you in a storm today? Why does God have you in your storm? I just gave you some suggestions that I believe are from God's word, but why does God have you in your storm? Maybe it's to push you out of your comfort zone. I know that can be true personally, and I've shared this with the men this morning in our men's breakfast. I believe that could also be true corporately. 
I believe church family in the next few weeks, months, he's already been doing it, but I'm feeling the pressure of being made to get into a boat. And I believe God is pushing us as a church family, compelling us, maybe forcing us to get into a boat. You say, why would the God of the universe do that? Why? To get me and you out of our comfort zone. Because we can get safe and comfortable. Why would he do that? He does that because there's a world of people that need to know how powerful and how awesome he is. So it's true for me. Got a lot of work to do. But maybe it's also true for us corporately. So what storm are you in? What's God trying to teach you today? Maybe you're here and you've... The storm that you're in the midst of is just recognizing who Jesus is, just like the disciples. Maybe you're going, wow, I don't, I don't know who Jesus is. The disciples even thought he was a ghost coming out. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. He's the ruler of the world. He's the one who came to earth in the flesh and gave himself for you and I that we might know the power of God and we might be able to live for God. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I'll give you a 100% money-back guarantee. When you walk out this door today, maybe this afternoon, maybe this week, maybe next week, but you will encounter a storm. You will encounter a storm. And the question is, do you want to have the calmer of the sea walking with you, or do you want to go it alone? For me, it's hard enough by myself. I don't want to go it alone. I want the hand of Jesus, and I hope you do too. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I thank you for the way that you are using this community of crossroads to teach me and to grow me. I thank you, Lord, for so many men and women, young people in this church and in this room today who could say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know God has oftentimes led me into storms to push me out of my comfort zone. I thank you for those friends. I thank you, Lord, because probably what they have discovered is that even the wind and the waves have to obey Jesus. Because you are the calmer of the seas. You are, I am. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we're going to stand in just a moment. Joey's going to lead us in a a song. We call it a song of invitation, which simply is this. We're going to invite you right there in your seat. Or if you want to come down to the front and grab my hand, you're welcome to do that. But just to respond to whatever God's laid on your heart. Maybe this morning you're going through a storm and you would come up here and grab one of these chairs and just kneel and just confess to God, Lord, I need you. I need you to help me through this storm. Maybe today you've never said yes to Jesus. And today you're saying, I want him to walk with me through the storms of life. I pray that you would respond this morning. Father, have your way. During this invitation time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to have that song. And if God's moved on your heart in some way and you need to respond, I'll be here waiting. Let's sing together.
We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you, or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.